Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Owen O'Sullivan and today's guest on the show is Kathy Davey, who you've probably heard over the course of the last decade and a half or there thereabouts, released a couple of amazing albums over the years, Tales of Silver Sleeve in 2007, 11 years ago, The Nameless in 2010, and then she returned in 2016 with New Forest, and she's returned again, is that a thing, can you, can you return again? Uh, she's back with a new live album, Live at Dublin Unitarian Church. It's uh, just released for Record Store Day, which was um, at the end of April. It was re- released on a uh, 12-inch album vinyl that was made really, really quickly and pressed and released via um, Dublin Vinyl, a new kind of uh, record pressing company. I don't really know the technical words uh, this morning as I'm doing the recording. So look, let, let's just try and get through this, okay? Uh, it was recorded at Un- uh, Unitarian Church in Dublin on March 23rd, and the album was released like just little under a month later. So that shows you just how quick the turnaround was on this album. And it's kind of, it's a couple of new songs and then it's kind of almost like a greatest hits. There's Ruben in there. You've got Moving. It's, it's a really, really good album. Uh, and it sounds really good as well. And there are some interesting stories uh, about it, including a broken wrist. So we get into all of that with uh, Kathy. And she kind of talks just about kind of what she's been up to over the course of the last couple of years. What she made of 2016's New Forest and the kind of sparse new direction that she's going with uh, her writing process. And we actually talk about the writing process as well. I really, really enjoyed this chat. Kathy was is one of my favorite interviews and someone that I was looking forward to talking with uh, for years. So I'm glad that it kind of lived up to expectation as her music usually lives up to expectation as well. Um, yeah, we, t- we talk about the new album that or the new music that she has on the way. And I suppose let's just get into it. This is Kathy Davey on the Point of Everything podcast. So so your latest album is a live album, live at Dublin Unitarian Church, recorded very uh, recently and pressed a vinyl really quickly for Record Store Day. Where where did the idea come from and like what made you want to do it? It was... Um was for an optimistic's idea, Donald Scannell, um, and he thought it would be um, just a lovely thing to do to celebrate vinyl now being printed in Ireland again, um, and thought it would be great to have it in time for for Record Store Day, obviously. Um, and I guess because I I do love. I do love playing um, with the boys that I've recorded it with. It's a very different sound to playing with a full band. Um, and we'd, we'd done a tour um, just as a broken down act and and the songs were sounding kind of nice in that different format, stripped down, because I always kind of go a bit overkill with the, with the studio al- albums. Um, so it just seemed like a good thing to do. Um, and why not? And it'll be a while before my next album. So it's something, you know, it's not a studio album. It's not that kind of a release. It's just a little extra thing to to 
let people know I'm still um, alive. <laughs> so, is is that something that you've got to remind people every so often? I don't feel I do, but <laughs> but you know, it is a it is an industry. Um, I don't care if people think I'm dead or or whatever, but I'll still be making music here and still be doing doing um kind of still writing and recording um but i guess i don't i don't want to be forgotten because by the time i'm ready with my next album it'd be good to sort of not uh, not be coming back cold i i suppose that that's that's one of the questions that i kind of had for you a six-year break between the nameless and then 2016's new forest and then this kind of two years after new forest like did you feel like you were kind of coming back cold for the last album and you kind of felt a little I, I don't know I guess cold feet sort of thing with regards to kind of promoting it and playing shows and stuff yeah it was it's it's definitely too long um as a as a commercial artist it's it's too long if you're wanting to kind of keep the momentum going so you don't have to build it up from the bottom again um but I mean if I if I focus too much on that then um I wouldn't really be true to myself because I don't consider um focusing on the commercial realities of the industry that's not something that dominates my mind very often um I'm thinking about other stuff and I would rather rather not be part of that world too much but um I appreciate that to release an album you have to have a what do you call it a, a presence um and six year gap yeah it's it's huge it's very much and there was something built up after the nameless that was obviously number one album and um there was a lovely buzz around it um and you can't sustain that for six years without releasing something but i was just doing other things that um that are probably more important than thinking about keeping the profile up <laughs> Did you kind of play that industry game or did you have people like saying to you, you've got to release something else, you've got to stay like relevant, like over the years, like not not just between The Nameless and New Forest, but before that as well? I'd say there maybe would have been people who would broach the subject with me, but they would have pretty soon understood that I wasn't that kind of an artist who would um, kind of feel pressured to move faster than I do. Um, like between the first and the second album, it's three years, and then the second and third album, it's three years. Um, I I I work on my own for a couple of years and then bring it together at the end, and that's always the way it is. I can't be creative in front of anyone, so the slow process is because I'm writing and recording on my own and shaping things before I take it to anyone. So that's just the way it is, and everyone was fine with that. And and like, is that how long you need as well to kind of be creative and for the ideas to come and for to uh, shape the ideas as well. You kind of need like kind of at least a couple of years to do that. Yeah, um, because because life isn't as simple as just staying in a room and being able to ruminate on things. You know, there's life happening and there's um, other work happening, especially if you're a musician. There's other there's you know, touring album for a year. And then there's, uh, I don't know, all the stuff that, that uh, you're committed to, to 
to promote an album afterwards. So so then maybe you have um, a year of writing and recording, and then you have a very long lead up to it where you're putting the album together, putting the press stuff together, um, getting it to radio that's like four months or something lead up, um, and the manufacturing afterwards. So it's really only about a year that you get to write and compose and uh, arrange and then record at the end of it. And then, yeah, mixing, mastering and production takes another good nine months. And like, what's your favorite part of that process? Like, are you someone who enjoys the writing aspect of it, being in the studio with the lads recording it and like hearing a fuller sound come through? Or like, wh- where does your preference lie? Um, it's it's always just the writing process. I'd always go away, um, go away with, uh, say, a jeep full of instruments and a couple of dogs and go away for about five weeks, um, maybe twice a year, and write the whole album in those two sessions um, and arrange them. And then anything that happens after that is um, uh, an anticlimax in comparison. It is nice to be sociable and be putting the rest, say if someone else learns the parts, or um, I think some of the last album... um, New Forest, we, I wrote the songs, I gave the boys the, the demos, they learned them and we played them when we did a little Czech and Slovakian tour. Um, and then we came home from that and we recorded them live. And we ended up keeping a few of those songs, like Armadillo and My Old Man. Um, and then I'd build on top of them. And that was a really nice way of doing it. And it was nice to be sociable, but still the kind of greedy pleasure you get on your own in a studio when you're pleasing yourself that's a very quiet satisfaction that can't really be beaten um uh, a slovakian tour sounds amazing we'll just quickly sidetrack into that uh how, how many shows did you play and like what was the response like um well it was with jens and crystal who were actually doing um a a gig in Wheelands to support their next tour. They take Irish bands over to um, Poda Festival and and then a tour around Czech Republic. Um, and it's a very small sort of quiet affair. They have friendships in different towns where they would always have they would have brought the frames and um, and Nick Christopher and you know bands back 15 years ago. They would have been bringing them over from from Ireland over there introducing them to a Czech audience. Um, and it's absolutely beautiful. I've done it twice now with them, just with the, the Broken Down Band. Um, and it's playing to people who've never heard of you before in their lives is very, very different experience. There's a, there's very little pressure. Um, there's, you kind of only, you get a really good reaction because they've never heard of you or seen you. And so they're, they don't have expectations. And so you're only a bonus, you know? Um, and then traveling around, not in a little smelly tour bus to places <laughs> that you've been millions of times, you're going to somewhere new all the time, traveling on the train um, in a little group where there's, I don't know, it's, it's just very different to touring Ireland and UK. Um, it's a lot gentler. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and like Slovakia itself uh, is presumably amazing, is it? Yeah. Yeah, Jesus. I mean, I didn't get to see enough of it. You don't really get to see it on, on tour like um, like a, a tourist as much. Um, but definitely the festivals over there, like Poda Festival. And we were playing there when Radiohead were playing. And I think, um, no, it wasn't Radiohead. It was um, Atoms for, what was it? Atoms for Peace? Yeah, Peace. that's it. Tom York's side project. Oh my God, it was unbelievable. And they looked so free and they looked like they were experienced on a much bigger level what we were, which is like completely different new crowd. And um, yeah, it was just fab. So um, yeah, I'd love to do loads more over there. That sounds great. Um, I was actually going to ask you about Jens and Crystal more later. Um, I'm from Rascarbury, which is about 15 minutes from Clannacilty. and. Oh, okay. Yeah, so like I've spent a, a lot of time in my youth in uh, De Bars and you always see Jens and Crystal there. But I, yeah. I, I presume that that's where you met them in De Bars. They're just like these people who live close by. And as you said, like they kind of are friends with all of these amazing Irish acts and they've had uh, fundraisers or nights for Jens and Crystal in De Bars before. And so, yeah, you're playing uh, Whelan's a fundraiser for Jens and Crystal's future touring troops at Whelan's on 29th of May. But like, how did how did you meet them initially? Uh, I don't know. I, I remember my first, well, I remember seeing them at shows in Cork before. Um, I don't remember if I saw them in Clonakilty before, but I remember them being there and people that I knew would have been on tour with them. And, um, and it took me a while to to get to know them properly. Um, and they'd asked a few times if I'd go on tour, but I have a funny relationship with touring, like different stages in my life. I just think that I'm going to never tour again. And then, and then I suddenly somehow remembered that I actually love performing sometimes. <laughs> and um, so I was like, I was saying for years, no, thank you very much. I don't fancy going abroad with people that I don't know I didn't know them you know and then and then I got to know them a little maybe at one gig or another gig and um it was before I recorded New Forest and um I was thinking well it would actually be lovely to have an excuse to get to know these songs perform them first and then go into the studio and record them properly um and that's what we did but I uh, I really bonded with them on that tour. I really felt close to them um, and I've loved them ever since. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess that they're kind of examples of like super fans in Ireland that have just really helped so many bands along the way, like over the past, I'd say 20 years or something. But so like you've been going for 14, 15, maybe a few years longer than that, 14 or 15 years. But like you've had fans all along the way as well. I'm sure that at this show at the Unitarian Church, you've had people who were there like at some of your early shows as well. Like that must be like really humbling as well in a way, is it? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I guess it, uh, maybe. I seem to have seem to have lost touch with with an awful lot of people between you know from between now and maybe the the nameless it definitely is not being in the public eye um that you kind of lose touch with your 
with your gang, the people that, that have you been your gang. Um, but um, I don't know. I, I suppose maybe there would be a couple of familiar faces. A few of them, yeah, a few of them. I need to do another gig where I'm not so sick and, <laughs> um, and shrouded in fear, and then I will be able to take more notice more. Is is that kind of the thing uh, with live shows that you kind of feel like you mentioned earlier that you kind of have a strange relationship with uh, touring and with the stage and stuff? Is it just kind of like nerves, despite like all of the gigs that you've played down the years, you still kind of feel those butterflies in the stomach and it can be and it can be almost overwhelming in a way? Yeah, it's, it's a very complicated mix of things. It's like a, a strange... You know, the ego is really strange. Like, we used to you grow up thinking ego means someone who's um, who's sort of bombastically self-confident. And then you get older and you discover that the ego is, is kind of um, lack of self-confidence shrouded in something else and masquerading as this, that, and the other. And um, it's a complicated thing. So, so I guess I would have a... A desire for people to hear and connect with the songs. Um, I have a fear of being looked at and judged, but then I get a buzz from when it goes well. I get a buzz from being appreciated. So that sort of wicked little cocktail makes probably too much adrenaline and sort of fear adrenaline before, and I would always get sick then from just my immune system dropping from too much of that kind of, um, you know, toxic nervous energy. So um, I, I, I would always get sick before tours, before some big show, before something that I had to do really well in. Um, the Unitarian was a classic, <laughs> got really sick before that because it was being recorded live. So there was loads of pressure. But then at the shows where there is no pressure, where I can just roll up and play and not think about it, those are the best ones because I, I haven't had any um, any um, kind of spiky anticipation fear to, to kind of suck me of the energy. And, and they're the nicest ones. Like after the Unitarian Church, um, I had a gig in Whelan's for WOW, Women of Wednesdays, and it was just the most amazing, fun, rocky raucous sweaty gig ever uh, like it reminded me of the early days in you know Whelan's or Cypress Avenue or you know somewhere where there's just it's really um it's really full-on in a kind of rock show sense not like not like a cliched rock but just focused and loud like that <laughs> Yeah. So, so you haven't come up with like the perfect solution yet for your immune system, like the magic formula to keep everything stable before the big important show. No, I'll never, I'll never know what it is because I'm just, um, I'm a terrible panicker. So if something big is coming up that I know I have to, I have to, um, pull it out of the bag, then, um, I, it's like, you know, sports people have such a strong, mentality you know the best sports people really the psychology is there for them they have vision and they visualize and they're confident and they probably have some some um, method of maintaining their confidence throughout and their focus 
Um, and I would be a terrible sports person because I just fall to pieces when I'm nervous. <laughs> Um, but that's okay. That's what sometimes makes great shows as well, the nervous energy. If you don't have that, you just have a very boring show. So um, you definitely need a bit of both. And and so like with the Unitarian Church show, like did it feel like the perfect gig? I mean, like you, you mentioned that like you were feeling pressure in the days before it, but like once you're on stage and like you heard the first round of applause where you're like, ah, relief. It took It took about three or four songs. Um, yeah, I did get into it. I mean, I was struggling an awful lot with my throat. And luckily, like the record does sound very different to what I would, you know, to what I do in the studio. It has a different, very different energy. And that nervous energy is kind of tenuous and fragile. And it's a little nervy for me to to listen to. But I also kind of get a thrill from it because it's for, for me, it feels like it's going to fall apart at any stage, and that makes it a little exciting. Hmm. Um, so it's something that I would never willingly have chosen, like those takes, I probably would have chosen the ones where I was singing, you know, better in places. But there is something really, I think you really need to do something like that to put something something out that is very imperfect in your eyes because it's probably far more interesting, um, you know, and and de- everything is definitely in the moment because you, you're definitely in the moment when your throat is shredded and when there's people looking at you and you couldn't really have one go. Um, that definitely get, brings you into the present. So, um, so I'm really proud of it. I think it sounds beautiful. And the way it was mixed for, for vinyl, which is different, I suppose there's no there's no compressors and um, limiters put on, you know, during the mixing. So it's very live. It's it's very it, it can start quiet and go super loud and um, and it's not squished. So you have to work your fader, which is nice <laughs> because then it's really huge when it gets to the big bits. Um, yeah, I think I, I really really enjoyed. I really love having a record from that night. It was. T- terrifying but there is really good stuff that comes from being terrified if you're playing music um like tell tell me about just the logistics of the show like you mentioned doing takes there did you play songs more than once did you play like a really really long set list and then kind of call the the 10 or 12 songs that made it onto the album like the the best performances on the night or how how did that actually work what choosing the songs uh, choosing the songs and actually on the night, like, was the show much longer than the four, 40 or so minutes of the album itself? Oh, yeah, the show would have been an hour and 20 minutes, like a normal show length. Um, so how do we choose them? I guess I guess I wanted I wanted there to be a couple of things that people hadn't heard before and and some of the the oldie classics. <laughs> um, and then uh, there would have been maybe some technical difficulties with the, the ones that made the choices easier. Um, and then had to work out the flow of it. So it had a A side and B side and had a nice, uh, everything gelled together. And the art of putting together an album is still relevant, even though it's a live one. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and I know it's, 
I know it's very recent in the memory, like the album has only been out about less than a month. But I mean, you talk about enjoying the process of doing that, like putting the album together and mixing it and everything and the sound that comes from that. Like, would that make you maybe reassess the way that you actually make a studio album? Mm. Or have or have you yeah. like not even thought about that yet? No, when, when we were mixing it, um, I really liked Andy Knightley who, who mixed it. Um, I really liked how he, he recorded it and mixed it. Um, I really liked how everything sounded because it was working with the live engineer Burr's sound as well. Um, and Burr has, has done my sound since um, my first album. It's the first time I played in Cork. He was the house engineer there. Um, and um, so he's kind of, that's a really familiar sound for me that I can enjoy playing live. And having that as part of the recording process, is, that's very interesting. It's like a comfort blanket there. Um, and there was something about it that, um, I don't know, I don't have as much control. And definitely when you work on your own, you know, arranging things or, or recording on your own, you're all about the control. And when you don't have that control, there's a, a, a slight bit of recklessness that comes along that accompanies that and you, you relish it and it brings something very, very different to the table. So I was toying with the idea of doing the next album as a live one, I have to admit. And the new songs are very, very, very minimal, like not much going on and just a, just a slightly abusive vocal, um, which, which works well in a live setting. So yeah, maybe. I think I might look into the, doing it as a live one, the next one. Do, uh, just because you mentioned it, like, do you think about why these kind of uh, themes or ideas with songs crop up, like the idea of, um, you know, these songs being minimal? Like what makes you or what's kind of happened that that's how they sound? Like, is it something you want or is it something that the songs are asking for it to be minimal? You know, um, that that came from. Um, where did it come from? There's a few different reasons why the new song's going to be minimal. One, the most obvious one is um, I don't have the focus to be zeroing in on multiple elements um, and making them work as beautifully maybe as I used to um, because my time is very restricted now um, that I, I live on the farm and um, my brain is taken up an awful lot with the outside world. Um, so I need to be able to work with a format that allows that allows me to make it come together quite quickly. And again, that I'm able to stay in the moment for as long as I can um, and it not damage the, the uh, kind of, uh, damage the end process because, because it's been, say, broken up. I felt New Forest was was damaged by that, that I I would have a very strong idea, but I wasn't able to stay with it in my mind. You know, 
the the that mental state wasn't was kept on being broken by other life getting in the way so when you start an idea with very strong um with a strong sense of its own identity and then you have to stop eight or nine times in between you know for life to happen and then you have a convoluted scattered um thing at the end and the guilt associated is is very bad you feel like you've let the song down so so with this one i was like um i'll just stick to writing on drums um getting the drum take down uh getting the melody down over it and then the simplest of uh maybe synth bass line um and that's the core and anything else is gravy but as long as i get that that's the core then um then i've followed through an idea honestly um with with one focus that's that's kind of a good amount to do on your own in one session yeah so that's probably the main stuff it, it it sounds like just from what you're saying you're i don't know if disappointed is the right word with new forest is that fair or is it something that you're just like i feel i could have done much more or be- better with the album the, i think from talking to other musicians most people are ultimately disappointed with the finished article because <laughs> you start off with a you start off with an idea or a nugget and you develop it and the only thing that allows you to finish that song is pure excitement over the possibilities that you presume are possible. But what comes to fruition is something quite different from what's in your head. And you're all the time trying to attain that initial um, idea that you think is possible. So um, I think that's how most people and most songwriters who record their own stuff work, you, your incentive is because you think this magical thing is possible. And at the end, you have to, you more have to abandon it than say, I'm finished. You have to let it go and go, that's as good as I can go. So with New Forest, um, with New Forest, because, um, because I kind of no longer consider myself just a musician, um it was it was in stolen moments and i never really got to commit to a, a song from beginning to end um as in arranging and getting the arrangement recorded um in in as few sessions as possible it was it was drawn out over a long period and um and that that isn't good that's too many it's the equivalent of too many cooks Spoiling the broth. Yeah, um, um, yeah. But I still love. I still love some of it. But it's hard to listen to your things that you don't feel you 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 know got there with. Yeah. Is um. Yeah. That that's really interesting. Like uh, I, I, you don't hear too many um musicians kind of talking about that idea. Like you you've uh, alluded to it a couple of times. Like living on the farm and stuff. Uh, I suppose you better talk just a little bit about like the animal rescue farm that you're in charge of that you started up i mean like it does that take up like 80 percent 90 percent of your year and then the other 10 percent is those like five week 10 weeks that you get to uh go away and play music uh yeah that's pretty much it i wouldn't say i'd have 10 weeks or 11 weeks i'm 
you know, for New Forest, I probably had two weeks to, to go away and um, to gig it. Um, and the recording sessions were stolen, uh, stolen moments. Um, also, um, I like, I co-founded, I do live on my own farm, which is, which is some of the, my lovely horse rescue animals, but, um, there's another farm that I don't run, um, because there were three founders in it. Just, just, I, I hate it when I see like she runs the rescue because there's other people involved. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, all of the time is that like, um, um, yeah, it's just where my it's just where my my mind and my heart is. <laughs> so, so uh, it's a physical job as well. So, um, as well as having to think ahead all the time so that no disasters happen, especially in Ireland with our weather. Yeah, uh, like. The- um, yeah, I suppose just coming back to the live album, uh, like the press release says that uh, the guitarist Darren had a broken wrist during the gig, but you only found this out afterwards, was it? Yeah, he he mentioned to me just before we went on that his wrist wrist was sore when he was just he was just playing guitar in the dressing room, and he was saying it feels really weird when I turn my hand this way to get this chord, just every time I put it on the side but I was in the middle of you know the the mental preparations to step out on stage so I didn't take it in until afterwards um what he was saying but anyway that he we did the gig didn't mention it adrenaline adrenaline kicked into him so you know the pain kind of disappeared for the show and then at five o'clock in the morning the next morning he woke up in agony and he had oh, to be yeah. taken to A&E and uh, the X-rated and saw that it was fractured and he just played a gig. That's why he was in agony because if he had just been resting it or, you know, had a, a normal normal job not using all of the fingers and the wrists and all those power poses for, for you know, beautiful chords, um, he wouldn't have done more damage to it, but he did. That that's one of the great stories that you have when you listen back to this album. That like, how how do we do this when our guitarist, one third of the band, had a broken wrist? I know. I, it doesn't sound like it though, because he just he played beautifully and epically. That's the beauty uh, beauty of adrenaline and music. You can you can um, get through anything when you've enough adrenaline. Yeah. Um. And and so like you've you've released this album and pressed on vinyl and it's a really really great listen and so what are the plans for the rest of the year musically? Um, musically, I just want to write write a new album. Um, so I have drums set up and um. I have uh, the themes kind of formulating. Um, so I'm going to do the new album this year, just at home. It'll be very, very raw and ready um, and sparse so that so that each idea can be brought to fruition honestly and not scattered. Um, 
and that's really that's my goal I have other goals but they're not music related um, but that's my music goal so that I can be really proud of them and not look back and say oh I needed more focus on them <laughs> just nuggets and pe- people won't know what to what to think if you release an album like next year. They'll just be like, a new album from Kathy Davy already? I know, yeah. <laughs> well, a live album, does that count? You know? <laughs> I, I think that kind of counts. Oh, good. <laughs> just, a, just a little interim, a reminder. <laughs> yeah, a, rem- a reminder that you're still here, you're still doing well and still making like great music. <laughs> okay, yeah.